Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Yo, here's a question. Can you even be brave if you're not already scared? Is that even possible? So one of the things that I miss most about being a primary school teacher is reading aloud to my class. Um, I like to perform and I like attention. <laughs> so what are you going to do? The last book that I ever read with, uh, with my class was the kids' gothic horror classic Coraline. Anybody ever read Coraline? Really good book. Um, and there's this bit in the book where Caroline's dad is telling her a story about the time that when they were out in the fields, like out the back of their house, when Caroline was just a little kid, and he looked away for like a second, and she disturbed a wasp's nest. And dad got right in there, like he stayed in there and stayed behind so that she could run. Like he got stung a bunch of times by these wasps so that she could escape. And when her dad is telling her the story, um, Caroline asks him, like, weren't you scared? And it's at that point in the story where her dad teaches her, I guess, the book's main lesson, and that is that when you are the most scared, that's when you can be the most brave. And it kind of leaves you with the question, can you even be brave if you're not already scared? And the book is, like, kid scary, do you know? Like, I guess it kind of goes with the genre that scary stuff happens. But my dude, Caroline, pulls through and overcomes even though she is terrified. Not like in the movie where she needs an annoying boy to rescue her. In the end, that movie stinks. And look, not all boys are annoying, but this one is, yo, that movie stinks. Like, female protagonist growing stronger overcoming her fears and then fails and then needs a boy to rescue her. That movie stinks and if you've seen it and if you like it, then you're part of the problem that is letting down (laughs) young women everywhere. Let me tell you how I really feel. So, happy Advent everyone. Happy Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and over the course of the next month, we are going to be thinking about all the classic Adventy things. Um, next week, I will be back again uh, as we explore peace. And then on the 11th, it is the long-awaited return of Ruth Weller. Um, if you haven't met Ruth before, she was the founding lead pastor of Rehope Southside. Delighted she's going to be back to talk with us about joy. And then on the 18th, my queen, Jamie, is going to be bringing us a message about love. Um, Advent at Rehope Southside, brought to you by lead pastors past and present. Love that. Very excited and excited to talk to you today about hope. I want to take a moment to thank Andy for reading from Isaiah 9 for us early in the service. That is a complicated passage, isn't it? Like usually we read it around Christmas time and we get all the Christmassy feels and it screams the birth of Jesus. Like it screams Christmas at us. But for its original audience, it's going to hit different. 
So let's remind ourselves of how it starts. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and the light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Now, I love reading aloud, and I love like adding expression in, and I like thinking about where I'm going to add the emphasis in, but um, I want to bring out like the impact and the meaning and all the fun stuff. But when reading this, I kind of am not sure where to add the emphasis in, because people walking in darkness, like, oh no, have seen a great light. All right then, that sounds good. A light has dawned, come on now, for those living in the land of darkness. Oh, they're still living in the land of darkness? Oh, okay then. And it's complicated. Do you want to bring out the light part, or do you want to like, will will that minimize the dark part? Like, do you want to be like, oh, it was dark, it was really dark, so then the light, it must be a really good light? I don't know. I just don't know where to add in the emphasis. It's complex. And for the original audience, for sure, that complexity is going to come out way more strongly than any Christmassy feels. I mean, Christmas hadn't happened yet, so that makes sense. But it's complex, and they're going to feel that complexity. And it's for sure got the Caroline factor. Like, if you, can you even be brave if you're not already scared? Kind of gets translated into, can you even have hope if things aren't already bleak? Like, if things aren't bleak, Do you need to have hope? Can you have hope? Can you hope for better if things aren't worse already? Hmm. Well, the short answer is yes. Yes, you can. But short answers are sometimes not very helpful. So here is a longer answer. Starting with the land of darkness, political landscape, timeline. So TLDR with the timeline, Crixie. But all we need to see is that this is a a stinking mess. And you can see from the left-hand side up here, like that's the kingdom of Israel side, that things are crazy unstable. Like all of the kings on this screen, apart from King Ahaz, are all like, their stories are introduced and concluded in the same chapter. So we're getting a sense of how much instability and how much leadership turnover there is, something we probably know all too well up in here right now, considering what is going on in Westminster, a story for a different day. My favorite part of this whole chapter is 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 13, which says, in the 39th year of Judas King Uzziah, he's been reigning for a long time, Shalom, Son of Jabesh became king, and he reigned in Samaria for a full month. Yo, a full month? Wow, that's amazing. I mean, a full month longer than I'm ever going to be king in Samaria, but a full month? So is the Bible trying to tell us that Shalom was king for like one new moon to new moon cycle? Or is this the single most sarcastic word in all of the Bible? But yo, like it is a mess up in there. Israel is just in turmoil and dudes are murdering their kings so that they get to be king in their place all day and all night, and the one dude who does manage to stick around just a little bit longer only achieves it because he teamed up with the king of Assyria. And when I say teamed up, I mean completely puppeted by the king of Assyria. It's a mess up in Israel. On the right-hand side, we can see what's going on in Judah. Judah is full of kings, like actually um, Uzziah and a few dudes before him, who start off really, really, really well and then fall off hard. And by the time it gets to Isaiah writing the words that Andy read for us earlier, King Ahaz is in charge and he is also a stinking mess. So land of darkness, yeah, no kidding. So unstable, so bleak. But is this setting us up? Because can you even have hope if things aren't already bleak? Anybody gone through a season 
where there's been a lot of difficulties that you have been facing and you just don't know when the end is coming or if there's even going to be an end or, or like when that end comes, what's the end going to be like? And I guess the very nature of darkness is that you can't see. So maybe you feel a little bit like you've gone through a season where you've lived in a land of darkness and you can't see what's coming, you can't see how things might end up. And in those moments, it's pretty easy to be void of hope. It's pretty easy to be hopeless. Hopeless feels like a strong word though, doesn't it? Feels like a big word and like not one that we're gasping to attribute to ourselves. I know in my own experience that things have to get pretty bad before I would go as far as describing my circumstances as hopeless. I just love how, this is also sarcastic, I just love how that I will kid on that something isn't a big deal and I won't deal with it until that deal becomes so big that I don't know how to deal with it. And then I'll be like, oh, yo, hopeless. Love that for me. That's kind of what I do. If you've ever found yourself in a position like that, feeling weak on hope or maybe like completely snowed under and not know how to deal with a thing, and if you find yourself drained of hope or completely drained, I have good news for you today, and I've said it already, but I do not mind saying it again. There is hope for you, and there's hope for your future. I get that it might not feel like that, though. And trust me, I get all the feels. And if you don't trust me, ask Jamie. Um, and I get that feelings can be real. Feelings are real, and they can be powerful, but sometimes, our feelings and reality just don't align. And when I feel under pressure or like trapped by a hard situation, it's in those moments when I need to make sure that I'm actively differentiating between fact statements and feeling statements. Here's an example. Here's a fact statement. I miss my friends in America. And here is a feeling statement. All my friends live in America. <laughs> I do miss my friends in America, and that is true, and that's a fact, and it's okay for me to miss my friends in America. In fact, it would be kind of insulting to them and how important they were for me if I didn't miss them, and it would be very unhealthy for me if I just moved on and pretended they weren't part of my life. It's natural for me to miss my friends. I need uh, to give myself permission to do that, and I need to stop speaking things over myself in my difficult moments like all my friends live in America. On the 18th of June of this year, I turned 38 and I thought all my friends live in America. Like, I, I should probably go out for a pint with someone tonight and I just don't even know who. And it's, it's, it's sad. It's not true. All my friends live in America? That's not true. Sometimes it can feel like it's true, but that's a feeling statement. That's not a fact statement. And it's kind of insulting to my friends here when I say all my friends live in America. And it's insulting to how important like you guys are to me. Do I have friends who live in Glasgow? Yes. Yes, I do. Am I always very good at getting in touch with them to see if they want to hang out with me? No. No, I am not. But when I translate my feeling statement into a fact statement, it leads me to a simple change in something that can help. And suddenly I see a way forward. Like, I have hope through, like, a simple text. I need to be careful about how I speak about myself and about other people around me, about my circumstances, um, to speak positively and truthfully about stuff like this. So, good, good advice shared. Like, be careful about how you speak about yourself and the other people around you and the circumstances that you find yourselves in. Like, watch out for stuff like, I will, I'll never get over this. 
That's a feeling statement. Translated to fact, this is still genuinely, genuinely hard for me. That's a fact statement. But then you think about things and you conclude, you know what, I can do this. And I've got God on my side. And with some grit, because it's going to take some grit, I can get through this. Much more hopeful, much more positive, not pretending that the problems don't exist, but still much more positive. Watch out for things like, yo, this Christmas is just about going to wear me out. That's a feeling statement. Translate it into a fact statement. I am very, very busy. And then conclude, do you know what? I'm going to make sure that I honor my commitments this Christmas, and I'm going to make sure that I prioritize rest so that I can honor my commitments. This Christmas, God gave me a Sabbath, and I'm going to honor it. Much more hopeful, much more positive. Look, I am a total mood boy. And I know that feelings are real, and I know they're powerful. But sometimes their power lies in them not lining up perfectly with reality. Sometimes there is enough hyperbolized truth in there to make you feel like it's real and to make you feel bleak. So speak positively even when you don't feel positive. Translate your feeling statements into fact statements to help you see a way forward and choose hope in hard moments. There is power in speaking, hopefully. There's power in speaking, hopefully, about yourself, the people around you, and your circumstances. And I did just say we have to choose hope because, you know, in those bleak moments or seasons, um, it doesn't always come naturally to us, but thankfully, we have got some stuff that can help us because, yo, those dudes in Isaiah 9 have seen a great light. A light has dawned for them. Fact. And as we keep reading, we can see what that light is. So we'll pick back up in verse 3. Um, says you have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders. The staff of their oppressor yoke just like you did on the day of Midian for every trampling foot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now notice all of those past tense verbs in there. This is stuff that God has done already. The light has come for them. God has rescued them and you can see their response. The response is that there is increased joy. Joy like at the harvest time, like think the Feast of Tabernacles that we talked about back in October, like big time joy. So, in order to help you to choose hope in hard moments, remember what God has done for you already. Remember his good works for you and how he's been there for you in the past. Maybe that's a, like a repeated thing that you've spotted across um, like your time here on this earth. Um, or maybe that's something that you've got to think way back for like the time of Midian. I don't know when that was, like in the time of the judges, I guess, a long time ago before this. Like think way back, like something from a hot minute ago that you can still remember to boost your hope and your joy. And I am confident, I'm confident that there are going to be things from your life that you can remember to give yourself hope this season. Very confident. And when you think of them, respond appropriately with joy. I'm not going to touch 
uh, too much about joy since Ruth is going to talk to us about that. But look, there is power in speaking, hopefully, so let that be your response. And in times like this, as always, your response is your responsibility. Choose for yourself. Choose hope. And even if that doesn't line up with your feelings, choose hope. Because remember, your feelings might not match up with reality. And this is a challenge, trust me, I know. This is a challenge, but it's one worth going for because even when you feel like you're only receiving negativity, fight back with positivity and hope. Yeah, we can have hope because of what God has done for us in the past, but look at this tense shift at the end of this paragraph. All the things highlighted in yellow, past tense, but then it shifts in the last sentence to a future tense verb, like a lot of stuff that God has done already. Now we're starting to think about stuff that God is going to do. And this sets the tone for the like, last and like, most famous section of this passage. So let's read it again. Um, it says, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Will, 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 will. Eight times Isaiah prophesies stuff that God is going to do for these dudes. And for sure, it's worth remembering what God has done for you in the past. Definitely, definitely. But it's also worth remembering, especially in these moments, that God is not done with you. So focus on what God is going to do for you. And this is the kicker for me, yo. This is the thing that gives me hope. Like we have a God who sees us and knows us and loves us and has completely, without a shadow of a doubt, got what it takes to intervene for good in our lives. And he goes to great lengths to ensure that hope for us. Like, think about those two kingdoms, yeah? Like, think about the instability and the political, like, oppression. Think about the, like, things are going great, just kidding, this king has gone nuts, and my life is just flipped upside down. Again, that had been going on. News of a king like this from Isaiah is going to be music to their ears. I'm for sure Jesus wasn't born until like 700 years or so after that, and his mission was bigger than the context of Isaiah chapter 9. And not that I'm minimizing the context of Isaiah chapter 9, stinking mess. It was grim, but this promise was there for them to look forward to in hope. And it's still there for us to look to in hope. Because when there is promise, then there is always hope. Can you even have hope if things aren't already bleak? Yes. Yes, you can. Our hope isn't some like silver lining byproduct of difficulty. Our hope comes from the fulfillment of this promise. Our hope comes from Jesus. And it's at this time of year when we remember his birth. We remember he is the one who gave up heaven for a while for us. He was born as a baby human and he grew and he learned and he lived as an example of a perfect spirit-filled human life sinlessly. And he died 
and he rose again to rescue us. Can you even have hope if things aren't already bleak? Yes, of course you can. Because our hope comes from Jesus and Jesus is the very opposite of bleak. But if things are rough for you, then you have an opportunity for maximum impact contrast, a maximum impact of Jesus' hope in your life to be really powerful you, for you as you choose to step forward with God in hope. So here's the deal. Um, Brian reminded me of this thing this week. Um, he's told me about it a bunch of times before, but it was nice to get a nice reminder. And it's a thing that Hezekiah does when faced with what seems like a hopeless situation. So Hezekiah comes like right, like just kind of like right after Ahaz. I wonder if maybe people thought like this promise was about him. But I mean, he also started off pretty good. And when faced with, you can read the story in 2 Kings 18 and 19. You might be reading it for Bible read through this week anyway. But he gets this message from a much more powerful king and it seems completely hopeless to him. So he gets it, it's a message, it's, it's a letter, and he, it's already written down. He spreads it out before God, and he prays, and he asks for help, and he trusts God with that. Brian reminded me of a thing that he does, and has encouraged me to do, and um, when you feel something that you're up against, and you're just like, I don't even know, I don't even know what to do with this, write it down. What is it about it that is like draining you of hope? What is it that's bringing you stress? What is it that's keeping you awake at night? What are the details? write them all down, spread it out. He says, put your hands on it. Although Hezekiah didn't do that, but I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. And then pray. Apparently it even works if you type it on your iPad. Pray and ask God to help you and help you to see like a way forward in this, that with his help, you can overcome. It's gonna take hope. It's gonna take bravery. Can you even be brave if you're not already scared? Well, maybe you might be scared of what's coming up already. So that's not a problem for you. Um, during pre-service prayer today, I saw a picture of somebody uh, helping somebody else to open like a, a clasp on a watch. Anyone ever asked you to help like open their watch and they're like, oh, I need two hands to open it. I can't do it. And you're like, oh, since they're watching, better not break it. It's like you're trying to open it and you're trying to be gentle, but it actually takes something to get the clasp open, but I don't want to put in that much force in case I break their watch. And they're like, no, no, you, you just got to go for it. And then, and you open it. We've got a sense that God knows that there are people here going through some stuff today and that you are seen. And that there's stuff that is stressful and scary and you are seen gotta just go for it you gotta open that thing like whatever it is that you've maybe like thought about like maybe I could or like gone for it a little bit maybe I could and then backed away because you're scared that the thing that might get broken is you God sees you there's hope for you and hope for your future your hope comes from God he has got the strength he is completely able to intervene for good in your life and I want to encourage you today to go for it. Offer those things to him. Ask for help. And trust him moving forward in hope. And go for whatever it is that you're worried about engaging with. Go for it. He sees you. And he's got you. Yo, I've got a couple of challenges for you today. Um, they're easy. They're so easy. Um, the first one is like prepare. Always helps to be prepared um, for a time whenever you might feel your hope drain. So make a list of at least five things. 
that God has done for you in the past that can help make sure that you can have hope whenever like something dark comes along. Um, try and vary it up, you know, like think about big things, think about small things, think about recent things, think about things from like before, um, like maybe a way back in your life. If you haven't been following Jesus for very long and you think, well, there might not be five things, like think back to your life. And maybe you thought that God's intervention in your life started when you gave your life to him, but like look back in your life, see his fingerprints all over it. That could be a really fun thing to boost your thankfulness as well. Write them down, keep them safe for when you find yourself in a difficult moment that you have got those things and you've got your heart prepared. And number two, translate. When you feel under attack, translate your feeling statements into fact statements. The pro level of this is that you can do it in the middle of an argument. You can be like, I'm about to say that thing, but I'm not going to because that thing isn't real. But I do feel like this. Nothing I do is ever good enough for you. Actually, I feel a little bit underappreciated right now. Way less hurtful. <laughs> Way less incendiary. Worth practicing translating uh, feeling statements into fact statements. So practice doing it. Like when you feel yourself on your inside, like thinking that and the feelings are taking over. Think about like the facts that are lying behind them and then you can think about a way forward. Speak positively about how you will overcome this. Speak positively and hopefully about yourself. And the last one, like pray, write yourself down, spread it out, lay your hands on it and pray and ask God to intervene for good in your life and trust him with it so that you can choose hope in a difficult moment. Um, I'm gonna pray for us. Um, and then we're going to move into a time of response. Uh, God, we love you and we bless you. And we say thank you for, we thank you for Jesus here. Jesus, thank you. Like you did give up heaven for us for a bit and that's a huge deal. And you became like us, a, a person to fix the problem that, that the people made. But you're God and you're incredible and you t it took a God, it took God to fix a God problem. It had to be you. Uniquely you, Jesus, you're wonderful and unique in all of everything ever. And we need a God just like you and we've got you. You're incredible and we love you so, so much, so much. Help us to love you even more. You deserve this.